It's HPR, All Things Considered, and I'm Dave Lawrence. Just a few months after we welcomed the voice of the original Black Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne, we're welcoming the guy who played bass on all those epic songs, came up with the name of the band, and wrote most of their pioneering lyrics. It's Black Sabbath's Geezer Butler. Fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Into the Void, From Birth to Black Sabbath and Beyond is his new autobiography, giving us our first chance to reconnect in 31 years. And we share highlights from an hour of storytelling that is as humbling and inclusive as it is fascinating. Nice to catch you again. And today we're getting you where? Just outside Las Vegas, Henderson, Nevada. In addition to that, you have a place in Utah and one still in England? Yeah, that's right. And are there other ones or is that it? No, that's it. (laughs) You know what's funny about that? That's a great lead-in because uh, you come from really humble roots, which you point out in the book. Paint a picture of the home life, geezer, that you and your many siblings and parents shared in Aston, a part of Birmingham, England. Well, Birmingham was quite bombed during World War Two, and I was born in 1949. So when I was growing up, there was still a lot of bombed out buildings and stuff. There were seven of us children. Uh, my mum and dad were from Dublin, emigrated to England, where there was work for my father. My dad used to uh, pack steel tubes for export to the world. We didn't have much money, but you know, we, you don't know any different. I was the youngest of the seven. Something most people take for granted, a bathroom, let's say. There was no bathroom or inside toilet. Go to the toilet, you had to go outside to the outhouse. We only had one cold water tap. There was no heating whatsoever in the house, except for a coal fire. And the house was built in 1873, so it's still very much Victorian. The big black coal burner in the living room provided the only heat in the house and you had ovens on either side where you could uh, prepare meals and your bedroom i shared it with my dad in the bedroom a little bed problem was the wallpaper kept peeling off the wall because it was so damp and we got plagued by bed bugs (laughs) which you could only get rid of with this chemical stuff called flit as I say in the book, the flip probably did me more harm than the bed bugs did. <laughs> right. And as for showers? No shower. We had a tin bath that was kept outside in the yard. And then every Friday and Saturday night, we'd bring the tin bath in. My mum would heat cold water up on the gas stove in the kitchen and then pour that into the bath. And we'd all individually get in the bath in front of the coal fire and uh, have our Saturday night baths. Describe Ozzy's surroundings at home. Basically the same as me. He literally, I think it was three streets away from where I was born. And he had the same sort of conditions. There were six siblings in his family. Bill and Tony, did they have the same setup as you guys? We basically all grew up in the same area with the same uh, things. No bathrooms, no hot water, no heating in the house. Well, it totally explains why you got places all over the world now, my brother. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've all got baths and inside toys. Right. You're also, geezer, you are one of the early vegetarians in rock. 
Well, I've always loved animals. We always had animals in the house. We always had a dog and uh, cats. I found a tortoise one day, so I had a tortoise. There was goldfish, all kinds of stuff. I never really liked eating meat, but my mum used to always put it on my plate. This one day, I cut it open and blood came out of it. And I didn't know what meat was, and I said to my mum, there's blood coming out of this thing that you've given me. She said, yeah, it's meat from a cow. And I went, what? It's from an animal. I was about eight years old at the time, and that was it. I've never eaten meat since. What a powerful story. I was lucky that my mum didn't pressurise me into eating meat. She understood where I was coming from, so I always gave me vegetables. Right. And uh, your colourful name comes from your equally colourful brother, Jimmy. Well, geezer in England, especially in London, it's what men call each other. I like geezer. <laughs> it's like another word for bloke, or in America it'd be dude, or hey man. And when my brother was in the army... In the 50s, he was based with a lot of cockneys from London. And uh, so he picked up the accent. When he used to come home on leave, he'd be calling everybody geezer. <laughs> and because I looked up to my brother, when I went to school, I started calling all my mates geezer. And then I got cursed with the name geezer. And I've had it ever since. Jimmy is uh, an endearing character. There are many ways that your family come across very endearing. And Jimmy introduces you to a critical music figure. Yeah, Jimmy came home with a record, and it was Elvis Presley, and he put it on the record player, and I was going, what on earth is this? There was no rock and roll on the radio or anything like that. So that was the first time I'd ever heard rock and roll was when he put Elvis on. Completely opened my mind to uh, music, because I didn't really think much of music at the time until I heard Elvis, eventually the Beatles. At the Odeon in Birmingham, you got to actually see the Beatles. Yeah, get the ticket for the Beatles. It was like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory gold and chocolate bar kind of thing. <laughs> but I was lucky because the manageress of the Odeon cinema where the Beatles are performing, her uh, daughter fancied me and wanted to go out with me. And I sort of says, oh, okay, I'll go on a date if you get me a Beatles ticket. <laughs> And jumping back to uh, that artist that Jimmy introduced you to, Elvis Presley, in 1970, and you guys were first in the United States, Warner Brothers set you guys up to see Elvis at the L.A. Forum. Yeah, there was all of the band. The Kinks were there as well. They went, so we were all sitting together watching Elvis. I always remember he took one of the policemen's hats because the police were security at the front of the stage. And Elvis took one of the policemen's hats and put it on his head. And I just thought... There's only Elvis that could get away with doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and then as soon as he finished, it was true. This voice came on. Elvis has now left the building. <laughs> You're so lucky to see these two. And you also in this book are really open about your journey with depression including self-harm, in a lot of ways giving insight into the origins of Black Sabbath's pioneering sound. And today, that is something that you control with antidepressants, you write. Talk about the ways that that also shaped what was Sabbath's openness, lyrically, to mental health struggles and challenges. Well, that was the only one I could express my feelings, because I'd get these really bad depressions, and it's like I was in this really dark, place where I just couldn't get out of and when you've got that kind of depression you can't remember what normal life's like I used to go to the doctors in England and uh, I'd tell them the way I felt and they'd go oh just go down the pub and have a couple of drinks or take your dog for a walk that kind of thing and there was absolutely no help for me so the only way I could have any kind of relief from it is to write the lyrics 
important encounter. I guess it was late 69, early days of 70. Black Sabbath were on a U.S. Army base in Germany, you write, and you encountered some folks that would influence the writing of what would be War Pigs and Hand of Doom, two epic Black Sabbath songs, one of those a musical and lyrical pioneer, and that song, an anti-war protest song, would be among the most powerful ever. This American army base, sort of a halfway house between Vietnam and going back to the States, what would happen when they'd finished their uh, tour in Vietnam, the soldiers would come to Germany to sort of get back to normal life again. They used to have like entertainment nights and we were on one of them. And I got to talk to the soldiers and they were telling me about the horrible things that had to go through in Vietnam. And nobody was talking about that on the TV or on the radio or anything. They were telling me that uh, a lot of the guys were on heroin. Just these horrible stories, jungles and everything and the mud. And I could see how it had affected them. It really got to me. They were pouring the hearts out to me. And if those lyrics... What's your proudest line or your your favorite line of War Pigs? Oh, gosh. Um, maybe. I'm not sure. Is Politicians it? sending all the poor people so that they don't have to fight the wars. Right. And those words would be politicians hide themselves away. They only started the war. Why should they go out to fight? They leave that all to the poor. Sorry. Yeah. It's Geezer Butler of Black Sabbath. Find this at hawaiipublicradio.org slash roadstories. And tomorrow, we'll hear about a diverse array of characters, including Chuck Berry, the Ramones, Stevie Wonder, Bruce Springsteen, Fleetwood Mac, Led Zeppelin, even Bob Marley. Plus, you won't believe how he met his wife. That's tomorrow with Black Sabbath's Geezer Butler. I'm Dave Lawrence. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Wash minds. Oh, larger.
happiness world stops turning Ashes where the body's burning No more war pigs of the power And as God has struck the hour Day of judgment God is calling Underneath the war pigs crawling Begging mercies for the sins Satan laughing spreads his wings oh!